If your Bible is automatically open to Galatians 5, there's a reason for that. This is our, now our 23rd week in this one chapter. And you would say, well, how close are we getting to the end here? Well, um, maybe six more weeks. I, I calculated it, and I think it's about six more weeks. But we are in chapter 5, verse 22, a very, very important verse for us, verse 22, and add verse 23. And we don't want to rush through this. We, we use these words, and we speak of them, and we know them. But we need to study them, and that's what we're doing here in this passage. So Galatians 5:22. but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We're studying goodness today. I think almost every translation out there agrees on this one. The word goodness is one that we see in our text. So that will be our focus today. But, of course, we have to talk to God first to ask for his direction. Heavenly Father, we are so privileged to have your attention, your care, your love, your grace, your mercy, your details in every aspect of our life. You are so attentive to us. It's an amazing thing to contemplate. But now we must be attentive to you and your word. As we have it opened in front of us today, it's a very important time for us. For these are what you have said. We need to know them. And I trust that, Lord, you impress it upon our hearts today. This is not just some intellectual activity we're involved in here. These are the things that shape our life and change our eternity. So I pray that we'll be attentive and that we will take these words to heart, that we will honor and glorify you with what we have heard here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The word goodness. Uh, we come to a very interesting uh, fruit in this list of fruits. Uh, now, our goal as we pick through them is not to choose which ones we like best. I know it's easy to say, well, you know, I'd rather have this than that. And certainly that patient one is way down on the list, right? Compared to the others. But, but goodness, what, what do we do with that? Goodness. Uh, well, like I said, we're not here to choose which is the best or such like that. Matter of fact, we're not even given options on this point. When you look at the verse here, uh, we do not select the menu, and we certainly don't make the meal. This is what the Holy Spirit does, and that's what we're learning here. Uh, in, on our website, if you go on there and you're looking for uh, the sermons, we have quite a library of sermons there now. We've been doing it for quite a number of years. And there is a category that I, I put the sermons in categories, and this one's under the category... Um, Studies of the Spirit. And we've been in this passage for a little while, Galatians 5, uh, 23 weeks and another six or so to go. My goal is to add to this Romans chapter 8. And from the way it's looking, I think that's January the first week 
uh, when we actually get to that, because before we know it, November will be here and December will be here. So I think it's going to work out somewhat like that. But the studies of the Spirit, you know, there is a reality in the uh, church community, and I, I don't stick and point fingers at us, but we could be part of this whole story. Uh, there's ignorance of the actual identity and role of the Holy Spirit. Historically, we've been through quite a, a time in church history concerning the Holy Spirit. There's always big swings when it comes to the Holy Spirit. On one, one side, you know, the, there's a like, great deal of emphasis put on the Holy Spirit, and, and when they do that, they tend to insert an awful lot more error in the concepts and Theological things get misunderstood, and then because of that, there's a reactionary side that goes to the other extreme, and they they um, think it would be better off to ignore him than to fall into the other group. And it's kind of interesting to watch that historically, and, and I just know that you and I, especially those of us in this age bracket here, maybe we've been brought up to be a little fearful of the topic of the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, maybe we've been a little less informed uh, of the topics concerning him. So I thought it was good for us to go into this Galatians 5 passage and take a good look at what he does. And I told you this is an internal battlefield, and that's what the text is describing for us, especially verse 17. The Spirit sets itself against the flesh, and the flesh sets itself against the Spirit. And they are in opposition to one another, and they're both within you as a believer in Christ. There's a war in there between the flesh and the spirit. And so we need to understand the impact of his work in our life. We have heard week after week after week from verse 16 that we are told to walk by the spirit. I bring you back to that because that is not optional. That, that, uh, that is a command for the believer. Walk by the Spirit. Greek imperative. It's that clear in the Greek text too. We are to walk by the Spirit. Now, for every time I've said this, I said that we must obey Him. And if we don't obey this verse, we're in disobedience. It's a simple concept. But I want to, to stress something. Not as the authoritarian here who's saying, do it. But do you not realize that the Holy Spirit is longing for you to walk with Him? His desire is so intent on you walking with Him that this passage is before us. This is His desire. He wants it. He's waiting for you to walk with Him. It's Like I said, it, this is not just a... Uh, theological exercise. It's not an academic thing. It's not an intellectual thing. We must know Him. And to know Him, we must obey Him. To obey Him, we trust Him. I could speak theologically all I want this morning, but if the theology has no feet, if it doesn't have some practicality, it won't do you any good, and it doesn't do me a lot of good either. Because I could speak for the rest of my life on this command, walk by the Spirit. But if we don't do it, we've done nothing. 
We've done nothing. Consider this the key to the whole passage. He, earlier he said in verse number um, 15, there's a potential here of biting and devouring and consuming one another. Oh, on the other side of this whole passage in verse number 26, there's the uh, possibility of being boastful, challenging, and envying one another. Those are on either side of this passage. But none of that can be solved unless we're walking by the Spirit. We read in verse number 19, 20, and 21 very terrible things of immorality, sensuality, enmity, strife, hatred, and things of that nature. But none of those can be corrected unless we walk by the Spirit. We read as well in here in verse 22 and 23 of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all those great words there. None of those can be accomplished unless we walk by the Spirit. You see, that's the key to the whole passage. If we do not walk by the Spirit, nothing else we can do with this passage will work. Nothing else will work. You might as well drive your car without a motor. You might as well try to live without a heart. The Holy Spirit is the one we're told to walk with. It's not only a command for us, but it's His intent will that we do so. Over a hundred years ago, there was a young man who once heard a preacher say that the world is yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. And in that audience was a man by the name of D.L. Moody, and he said, by God's grace, I'll be that man. I start today with an appeal. Almost the backside of the sermon is coming at you first. An appeal. This is not an intellectual discussion about parts and pieces of this text before us. This is a battle cry for the soul. That a man would stand up and say, I will walk with God. I will take pace by pace with the omnipotent. I will step beside the Holy Spirit as he leads my life into a deeper and a more beautiful thing because of his divine influence that's dominating me. Are we at that place? Are we at that place where our goal is to be like Christ? Our goal, our desire, our passion. We want to be like Him. The Holy Spirit's doing that work. And He will not fail in you. He will not fail. He's not going to wait until you die before He finishes it either. I like to think of today, as we approach a Sunday morning, and every day ought to be something like this, but especially, this is a monumental day. This is a day that can shape the rest of your life. Do you know that? Significant moments that we are given. Each day we're given the opportunity to make a decision to walk with Him. It is a command, and we have to do it. We have to receive to that. So I don't, I, I don't want us just to hear the words again. 
Walk by the Spirit. I don't want us to say, yes, that Pastor, you keep saying that to me. I want us to take that personally today. I want us to realize this is what he's been asking us to do, telling us to do, and he's more than willing to take the step with us. Walk, it says, by the Spirit. And when he does walk with you, he dominates. He dominates. And that characteristic of his, each item that's brought up here in verse 22 is, is that which he's fulfilling in us. He's producing in us. Today we talk about goodness. And it's important that when we talk about goodness, we keep in mind it is the fruit of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Because we ask the question, well, what is good? Boy, ask that out on the street, and what are you going to get? It's all good. I beg to differ. I'm not sure it's all good. But we hear that phrase all the time, don't we? It's all good. It's all good. We probably even say it ourselves. You know, 2,000 years ago, well, more like 2,600 years ago, God said this. In Isaiah 5, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good. Those who call good evil. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Call evil good. Call good evil. Are we safe from such a verse like that today? I don't think so. I, I think we could spend the whole morning just proving our world does call good evil. And it does call evil good. We don't need too much testimony of that. And I think that's why we tend to get a little confused Especially when we come to a verse like this and we say, well, it's about goodness. And then now we have to try to define it. <laughs> what is goodness? Now, I find it interesting, not only do just about every single tr English translation throw the word out the same, it says goodness, but if you go into the Greek New Testament, you'd find there's several different words for good. I think that makes it a little more challenging, too. Uh, because as you're working through the words goodness, the commentators have come to the conclusion it is one of the hardest words in this whole list to define. It's hard to define it. Well, I'll give you a clue. The word is agathos. Agathos is the Greek word that we're looking at here. Here's your options. It means of good constitution or nature. It means useful or helpful. It means good, or pleasant, or agreeable, or joyful, or happy. It means excellent. It means distinguished. It means upright. It means honorable. And you could throw in generous, too, while you're at it. All right. Which one shall we choose? You say, well, aren't, aren't they all somewhat the same? It's kind of like putting the ingredients together, and you mix it up, and pretty soon it's all one color. You say, well, what is this? Well, this word goodness that we're looking at, it does show up over, a little over a hundred times in the New Testament, which isn't a great amount, to tell the truth, to work with. But this is what I discovered as I was studying it through. Perhaps the best way to define it is to go to its opposite. 
that might help us a little bit in defining the term. And I'm going to lead you someplace this morning, okay? I, I admit before I even start, I'm on a path, and you're going with me. So here we go. To find the opposite, you go to a passage like Matthew chapter 5. Several verses in Matthew, so if you travel over there with me, you can follow along. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. Now, I'm going to pull out the middle of the verse, but I'm going to read the whole verse. But it's in the middle that I want to point out something. He says in verse 45, So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, there's a parallel concept there. You can see it, can't you? One side he says evil and good, and then he says righteous and unrighteous. Uh, like two different categories, but the headings might suggest to us the good is the righteous and the evil is the unrighteous. But when we break down the words actually, th this word evil is the word poneras in the Greek, and I throw these words out not to impress you, but some of you are sitting there checking me, and so I'll just let you know. Uh, poneras is the Greek word. It means hurtful in effect. Hurtful in effect. He's not talking about character. There's another word for character. There is an evil character, and generally we associate it with the, uh, the old nature or the, the sinful man, the lost man, so to speak. We, we would use that concept as, as evil in character. We would associate it with the word depraved. There was a word for that. This is the word that has more to do with actions that are done that can hurt somebody. Now, unfortunately, it's used not only of unbelievers, but it's used of believers, too. Because I think we still have that problem, don't we? Where we can do something and hurt someone. This is the word in front of us right now. Is there, are, there are the good, and then there are the evil, the ones who do something that affects somebody and hurts someone. Now, let's broaden it a little bit more and go to chapter 7. And verse 17, Matthew 7, 17, where he says this, So every good tree, that's our word we're looking at here, every good tree bears good fruit. Now, there is a good example of two different words. The first word is the word goodness that we're going to talk about. The second time you heard the word good there, it meant beautiful. All right? Good isn't beautiful, or, or you know, the idea of, of wonderful or good, things of that nature. So a good tree bears beautiful fruit. And a bad tree, that word bad means rotten, bears harmful fruit. Doesn't it? If you see a tree and you know it's quite diseased, and it's producing apples. Now, of course, you're going to walk right up, pull it off, and bite into it right away, aren't you? Or are you going to think twice? This is a picture. A bad, rotten tree bears hurtful fruit. Again, in verse 18, a good tree cannot produce bad, hurtful fruit. And a bad, rotten tree cannot produce beautiful fruit. Right, he gives us a picture there. That's very helpful to know that good trees produce 
beautiful fruit. They have a result that follows them. Now turn to Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Matthew 12, verse 34. Jesus speaking to the uh, Pharisees. He says, you brood of vipers. How can you bring, how can you, being evil, there's our word for hurtful in effect, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. If the heart is full of bad, it's rotten, and it only can produce harmful fruit, if that's what the heart is full of, that's what will come out of the mouth. Whatever you're filled with will spill out when you're bumped. I've heard that phrase years ago and I've never forgot it. It's true though, isn't it? So he said this on several occasions, but again in Matthew twelve thirty-five, The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil, the harmful man, brings out of his evil treasure that which is harmful, that which is evil. All right, I've stressed it on purpose, evil and the harmful side of it. I've done it on purpose because that has, as you can see, has been set in opposition to this word good every single time. So good would have to be beneficial in its effect. It has to be beneficial in its effect to be the opposite of harmful as the evil would be. Now I want to show you something else. It's in Romans, chapter number 12. Now, I'm going to tie all of these together in just a minute, but let's look at 12, verse 9. Romans 12, verse 9. Since we're using opposites right now to understand the word better, let's look at the reaction to them. In 12, verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Now, that's a strong word. I don't know if there's a stronger word for hatred in all of Scripture. Abhor. It means not only to hate it, but to detest it. To detest it so greatly that you shrink back from it. You, you shield yourself from it. You, you've got that look of distaste on your face. You've got a, a, you're appalled by what you see. Have you ever walked into something and seen something so utterly ugly and and repulsive to you that you go, ah, like that? That's the word. Pretty intense, isn't it? So, what is evil, that's our word for harmful, abhor it. Shrink back from that. Gasp when you see it. Right? That's one side of it. Look at the other side. Cling to what is good. Cling is to glue together. To glue together. Now, I like that. There's quite a contrast in just the reaction, isn't there? One is you can't wait to get away from it. The other one is you want it so much you glue to it. All right? There's a contrast that helps us understand the difference between these two. But there's also something very interesting that I want to point out to you that kind of stands out too. The word abhor in the, the Greek, it's what we call a present active participle, which means 
that is an intentional thing that one is doing. It, it's continuous that they're doing it. He says, continually hate evil. Continually abhor evil. Continually, continually keep on, keep on hating it all the time. In that suggestion of your reaction, right? You do it. You keep on hating. Keep on. Keep on, he says. But here's where it gets interesting. When it comes to the word cling, it says, be, if you will, be glued to what is good. Now, that's what we call a passive voice, which means you don't do it. It is done to you. All of a sudden, we've got something coming about in this little picture here. Abhorring is something you do. Clinging is something done to you. Clinging to that which is good. You cannot... Okay, you ready? Seatbelt time. You cannot be or do good of yourself. Jesus said there is only one who is good. He was speaking about God. Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, there is none who do good, and he was talking about you and me. There is none who do good. None. Now, I don't think I have to prove that to you. It's all over Scripture. This is not what we do. It's not what we are. We cannot produce this fruit in and of ourselves. I, I make this presentation every week, but I'm going to persist in it. This fruit is not our product. It, it, it was never our product. We didn't originate it. We do not manufacture it. We cannot maintain it. It is solely, divinely given and empowered. It is the Spirit's fruit. And it's because all of this has the flavor of the divine in it, you could realize he's not simply talking about good, like some comfortable label here. Goodness. There's some interesting distinctions we could make between the last word we studied and this word. last word was kindness. This word is goodness. Kindness is a benevolent act that arrives when things are bleak. That's the way I presented it last week. When things are bleak, it, it comes by way of encouragement. Uh, it gives hope. It builds things that are broken. It, it's uh, very attractive. It's very delightful. We came away happy, didn't we, last week? Just talking about kindness. It, it even had that effect on us. Uh, the old Greek philosophers used to say that kindness is willing to do good. Now, goodness is ready to do good. But it has a surprising side to it. You ready for this? Goodness is harsher than kindness. Goodness is demanding. It doesn't really seek to be pleasant. <laughs> it doesn't seek to attract crowds. It will do good to others even when they do not want it. A man could display goodness by rebuking, 
by correcting, by chastening. This is one of the interesting pictures here, and I'll just read you a piece of this paragraph. But the distinguishing nature between kindness and goodness is that kindness describes that kindlier aspects of goodness. Goodness includes a more sterner quality by which doing good to others is not necessarily by gentle means. For example, Jesus was good when he cleansed the temple. Jesus was good in denouncing the scribes and the Pharisees. But he was also kind when he dealt with those who came to him in a repented attitude. Kindness has a, a disposition that's very kindly, of course, toward others. Goodness is very active on behalf of others. You want to know how it looks? That's what I hope to, to clarify here. What does it look like? Now, all of us would say that we're very thankful that God has been good to us. He has been. I chose those words this morning that I read to you on purpose. For the Lord is good. And you all agree with that, don't you? The Lord is good. He's been so good to us. He gave us light when we were in darkness. True? Yeah. Now, if he hadn't reached us with the gospel, if he hadn't done his miraculous work in our hearts, if he hadn't grabbed and drawn us to himself, salvation certainly wasn't going to happen on our accord. <laughs> We were not going to be able to produce that one. We couldn't do it. Not by our doing. What scripture says in John chapter 3, verse number 19, that God sent the light. This is the judgment, it says. That the light has come into the world. That was very good. The world was dark and God sent the light. He sent the Lord Jesus Christ. He sent the light into the world. And it goes on to say this. And man loved the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. Does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. You want the picture of that? It's real simple. You could even experiment with it tonight. About 2 a.m., when everyone's asleep in the house, just walk through there and click on every light switch and see what kind of response you get. Of course, there will all be happy, cheerful voices that you will hear that say, Oh, I love the light. Right? No, no you're right. <laughs> There's a reaction we have designed in us, even when we're half asleep, to say, Turn that off! Right? That's what we have. That is the world that we live in. It's a dark world. God in his goodness sent the light. And he didn't listen to the world say, turn it off! And say, oh, I'm sorry. God turned on the light. Because he knew it was good. Even though the world did not appreciate it. Even though the world did not want it. See, that's the nature of goodness, folks. That I'm going to walk you down right now. It's when things are done, even when they're unwanted. Even when they're unwanted. Goodness still works. In Romans chapter 8, in verse number 28, there's a very familiar verse that we read here. 
We know that God calls us all things to work together for what? For good. For good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. We say, oh yeah, that's a great verse. We use that. But in the context, he's talking about us being conformed to the image of Christ. He talks about predestination. He talks about justification. He talks about sanctification. Big words. And by then we say, I don't get it. But we come back to this verse and we say, what is this? God causes how many things? All things. Now, not just in our salvation, but also in our salvation. In His correcting, is that good? In His chastening, is that good? Yes, why? Because He's conforming us to the image of Christ. He's got that end picture in mind that we're heading for. And He will do what's good, even if we were unwilling to receive it. He will do what's good. It goes on in Ephesians 2 verse 10 to say that we are His workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for, guess what? Good works. God has prepared it that way. He's designed it that way. He's prepared it beforehand. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 calls us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We cannot bear that fruit unless we're walking, the passage says. And as Galatians, it's walking by the Spirit. But that's what He's designed us to do, is in everything, bearing fruit in every good work. And then the passages that kind of stick out to me, especially in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God. He says, what is it for? It's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. It's profitable for training in righteousness so that the man of God will be equipped adequately for every good work. God is doing His good that we might be able to do ours. That He has prepared for us. That's His good, you see. Even when we resist it. I'm very sure, Brian, you could say to this, and Dr. Provine could say to this, I'm sure. We think of doctors who do not hesitate to do what brings momentary pain... (laughs) Or anguish because he knows the good is on the other side. He knows the good is on the other side. We know of parents, and there's probably your parents, who did not compromise on behavioral expectations for their children because they knew what good it was on the other side. I could think of a savior who did not shrink back from a cross. No one else thought it was good for him to die for others. Matter of fact, Mary didn't like the fact her son was going to die. The disciples didn't like the fact their master was going to die. The disciples didn't like that. Well, you say, what? the Jews didn't mind. The priests didn't mind. But if they knew he was going to die for somebody's good, do you think they would have liked it? I don't think so. They would have come up with some other horrifying way 
to torment him. They never thought it would bring good. But Jesus knew what was on the other side of that cross. And for the joy set before him, he endured that cross. Right? He knew what good it would bring. And even as we rebelled against it, as we demanded that the light be turned off, he didn't die for us to leave us where we were. He did for us what we wouldn't do ourselves. He did for us what we couldn't do ourselves. You see, that's the case of goodness I set before you here. It sounds harsh at times, the way goodness is manifested. To some it sounds rigid. To some it sounds so... Well, it's usually in partnership with truth, by the way. And you know how people like truth today. Some people even go to say, well, you know, that kind of goodness carries a rather big price tag. It seems to be so sacrificial. I mean, you've got to give up something to be good in this regard. But that's exactly what service is. Let me show you something else out of Romans chapter 12. Verse number 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. That's not antifreeze. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. You say, okay, I'm going to get something out of this. So listen to the rest of it. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Is there a price tag here? Is there a sacrifice here? Is there an act of goodness even when that person doesn't want what you're offering to them? Romans 15, verse 2. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, for his edification. How many times have we thought about somebody else's, the fact we're here to edify them, build them up? Oh, if we could only keep that focus in our mind. <laughs> that would change our perspective of what we do. First Thessalonians 5, verse 15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another, and for all people. Seek after it. Then this last one I give you is Third John, verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but that which is good. The one who does good is of God. I could just stop right there and ask you a big question, can't I? You'd say, well, Pastor, I've tried to be good. I, I thought I was getting pretty good. But... This phrase says the one who does good is of God. That means they have a personal relationship with him. That means the Holy Spirit indwells him. That means that fruit is being produced in him. Is that you? Is that you? That's what it means to be of God. Are you of God? Because there's only a contrast that gives you one option. He says, 
The one who does good is God, and the one who does evil is not seen God. We're one or the other. We're one or the other. Now, I keep with our theme here, just to remind you that this goodness that we're studying here is set on a great battlefield that rages within us. Our flesh will run from it every time. It does not prefer, it does not want, it does not desire, it does not participate in that which is good. The flesh is in opposition to this. Every time. And we know how easy it is to give in to that flesh when it comes to goodness, because that's the easier road, that's the less costly road, that one's not going to make me swallow my pride. That's the road that most people choose. And now that you know the opposites, guess where it's leading? It's the path of evil, and it has harmful effects. That's where the flesh would take it every single time. That's the contrast I set before you here today. The Galatians were in danger of biting, devouring, consuming, and also when the rest of the passage is finished here, boasting, challenging one another, envying one another. Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And the evidence will be the goodness that we're looking for here. The goodness that will do that which is right and good for somebody else, even if they don't want it. This is not decoration. (laughs) This is the Spirit operating within you, dominating your words, dominating your thoughts and your actions and your attitudes, dominating your life. And he's not content with anything less. He is not. We have received good from the Lord, haven't we? And we're thankful for that. That he didn't, he didn't change his mind about us. That he looked upon us and even when we resisted him, he saved us. Scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you? Yes, and he is good. So, he's given to you the Holy Spirit, and that is God himself, and he says, now dispense good to others. You're not going to do that independently of him. He's your supply. He's your motivation. He is the result. He's the initiator. He's the giver of all this. That vast reservoir of goodness is in you because the Holy Spirit is in you. We don't have an excuse to say, I can't do this one. We don't have an excuse because you have the supply of the omnipotent one in you. This manifestation of the Spirit is for the good of others. This gift of the Holy Spirit is for the edification of others. It's the things that you've been equipped with so that you could equip others. It's for service. That's what goodness is for. It's for service. And we are designed for that service. So I want to remind you of this, these points. I, I say them every week. We're starting to see them over and over, and I hope you appreciate these. This goodness I'm talking about is not possible unless you're walking by the Spirit. 
It is not possible any other way. It's not produced by you. It can't be maintained by you. It is not your goodness. It's not. It's not even a mingling of your goodness and his goodness kind of stirred together. It's not that either. There's not any mixture of the flesh in it because the Holy Spirit does not compromise with our flesh. He does not cooperate with our flesh. He's not in partnership with our flesh. He's in opposition to the flesh. So he's not satisfied with only a partial impact in your life. He doesn't want 50% of you today. He wants to work, walk with you. He wants you to walk with Him. And He wants it 100%. This goodness comes from a right relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if you're saying, I want to be good, then you first start with walking with Him. This will be the outcome. This is what He'll produce in you. So I can't take credit for it, and you can't take credit for it. We do not own it. We're just clay vessels that he has put his goodness inside us. So that we will work for his pleasure. So that ultimately this goodness will benefit other people. It's not so that I'd have a better day or a happy attitude. But that I'd have a ministry. A ministry of words that God has given to me. A ministry of actions that God has given to me. That was designed to serve somebody else. For their good. For their good. This is what we've been looking at here. And that's why I started the sermon the way I did this morning. He wants to walk with you. He wants to walk with you. Decision time. Are you going to walk with him? Are you going to take the steps to walk with him? This is what he will produce in you. You needed to see it in black and white. This is what he will produce in you. And trust me, it is a beautiful thing. But it has eternal impact. Do you want it? This goodness is from the Spirit who works in you. Heavenly Father, you know every heart in this room. Where they stand with you right now, whether or not they actually walk with the Spirit, or they're just standing on the path looking contemplating, wondering if this is the way I should or should not go. Though we can mechanically respond to things out of obedience, I pray, Lord, that our hearts have been triggered here this morning because you have been so good to us. Even in our rebellion, our resistance, in the fact that we have hated the light, we wanted it off, you came to us and saved us. We're so thankful for that. And we know the price tag, too, for we've seen what our Savior has done. That he went to that same cross. He died an agonizing death on our behalf. That's a picture of good. And Lord, now you're asking us to walk by the Spirit so that these good things can be produced through us. And we must make a choice today, whether we walk with you or not. That's our choice. So I ask that you work in every heart today. Where they are right now, work in their heart. And if there are those who are walking with you, Lord, and they're a little discouraged, encourage them greatly today. 
remind them that they're on the right path. And though the world may not be receiving the good that they've been dispensing, they're still walking with you. And you will honor, you will bless. You always do. And I pray, Lord, you encourage them. Maybe there are some who know that that's where they ought to be, but if they examine their life over the last week, the last month, the last year, they've been far from walking with the Spirit. They haven't done what they've been told to do in Scripture. And I pray, Lord, that that conviction that you lay upon them, as that is all very good, might have its full fruit in changing their hearts and their minds of concerning this very thing, that they may walk with the Spirit even now to commit themselves to start afresh, even at this moment, to take the first step and walk with you. And Lord, there are also some perhaps among us who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They don't realize that He is the one who died for them, who has done everything in that act, to bring them to a right relationship with God. He has done the ultimate good, that our lives might be changed forever, and He calls us to trust Him and believe in Him. And maybe there's somebody here today who just needs to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And I pray you draw them to yourself, for you alone can do it, Lord. Warm their hearts and show them again the sacrifice of one Savior on their behalf. That will change them for all eternity, Lord. If there's somebody, just even one person here today, that you will do that with, Lord, we will rejoice. We will give thanks to your name and rejoice in your power to save. But, Lord, we know that every single one of us will leave this room different if we choose to acknowledge the Holy Spirit today. In whatever act he's called us to do, he's called us to take that step with him. And should we do that, we'll be different people. And I pray, Lord, that you do that work in our life. Whenever the Spirit is at work, change is inevitable. Change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.